Hi there, and welcome to 45 RPM, music of the 40s and 50s. I'm your host, Sam Waldron. Today we have a very unusual show. I try to make every show interesting, and this time I've pulled out all the stops to put something together that's anything but boring. The show includes a little bit of everything. I've called it You'll Never Guess. We'll start out by playing two love songs, and then you get to decide which one of them is more believable. Comparison might surprise you. Next, a handful of songs I think of as my own guilty pleasures. These are songs I never get tired of listening to, and secretly I think they probably aren't really as good as my brain wants me to believe. Then things will start to get a bit more unusual. In the second half of this show, we'll have some fun, and I promise it will include at least one performance that you have never heard. So let's get started with a segment called Who Do You Believe? I want you to imagine that you have a daughter or a young female friend, someone who's pretty inexperienced in the ways of love, and she tells you there are two guys trying to win her heart. She wants you to help her figure out which one of them really cares about her. And the only evidence you have is a pair of love songs they've sung to her. I'm going to play two beautiful love ballads, and as you listen, ask yourself which one of these guys really cares about her. We'll start with Nat King Cole, and a beautiful song called Let's Fall in Love. Let's fall in love Why shouldn't we fall in love Our hearts are made of it Let's take a chance Why be afraid of it Let's close our eyes And make our own paradise Little we know of it Still we can try To make a go of it We might have been meant for each other To be or not to be Let our hearts discover Let's fall in love Why shouldn't we in love Now is the time for it While we are young Let's fall in love We might have been meant For each other To be Or not to be Let our hearts Discover Let's fall in love 
Why shouldn't we fall in love? Now is the time for it while we are young. Let's fall in Nat King Cole from 1954, and Let's Fall in Love. That's certainly a nice recording, and Cole had a beautiful voice. Now, remember, we're trying to figure out which one of these singers really cares. So contrast that with a Tony Bennett song called Watch What Happens. Just let someone start believing in you. Let him hold out his hand. Let him touch you and watch what happens when someone can look in your eyes and see into your heart let him find you and watch what happens cold no I won't believe your heart is cold maybe just afraid to be broken again but just let someone with a deep love to give give that deep love to you and what magic you'll see let someone give his heart Someone who cares like me And what magic you'll see let someone give his heart Someone who cares like me Someone who cares like me Tony Bennett from his album Songs for the Jet Set and Watch What Happens. The object of this exercise is to determine which of these love songs is more believable. The votes are coming in 
as Dr. Seuss might say, we're getting an audio video teleo count. Oh, I see we have 322 votes for Nat King Cole and ka-ching, 759 for Tony Bennett. That's a margin good enough to win any election. The rules and regulations of this program won't let me vote in this, but if I could, Tony Bennett would get my vote too. These are both lovely songs, but a really great performance has to have that elusive quality known as credibility, and that's something to keep in mind when you're listening to music or if you're trying to win the heart of somebody you love. You're listening to 45 RPM music of the 40s and 50s, and now I want to play some music I think of as my guilty pleasures. Well, here's some songs I never get tired of, and yet I'm not sure they're quite worthy of all the love I have for them. Sometimes I think I should be embarrassed that I like them as much as I do. As always, you can turn off your radio if you think my taste is terrible. The first of these is by Dion and the Belmonts, with lyrics that absolutely ring true to my own limited experience of being a teenager. I like this recording also because the beat just keeps going and going. Their song is called Teenager in Love. Each time we have a quarrel, it almost breaks my heart. Cause I'm so afraid that we will have to part. Each night I ask the stars up above, why must I be a teenager in love? One day I feel so happy, the next day I feel so sad. I guess I learned to take the good with the bad. Cause each night I ask the stars up above, why must I be a teenager in love? I cried a tear for nobody but you. say goodbye I'll still go on loving you each night I ask the stars up above why must I be a teenager in love I cried a tear for nobody but you I'll be a lonely one if you should say we're through Say goodbye, I'll still go on loving you. Each night I ask the stars up above, why must I be a teenager in love? Why must I be a teenager in love? Why must I be Dion and the Belmonts with their hit record, Teenager in Love. I'm not the only one who liked that because 
That recording peaked at number 5 on the Billboard Hot 100 in March 1959. When I thought about sharing my musical guilty pleasures with you, another song leaped to the front of my mind, a hit record for Ricky Nelson. Fortunately, these lyrics don't line up with my own experience, but unfortunately, they're very believable, not just for teenagers, but for some adults, too. I like the somewhat unusual structure of this song. There's no instrumental bridge, no variation. The beat just keeps going and going without a change. I also like the story behind this song. It was written by an 18-year-old girl named Sharon Sheely, who drove to Nelson's home and talked him into recording it. She later went on to write songs for Glenn Campbell, Eddie Cochran, and Brenda Lee. Here's Ricky Nelson and Poor Little Fool. I used to play around with hearts Hasten at my call But when I met that little girl I knew that I would fall Poor little fool Kiss me, but her heart was full of lies, poor little fool. Oh, yeah, I was a fool. Uh-huh. From 1958, Poor Little Fool by Ricky Nelson. Another of my guilty pleasures is a song Ricky Nelson recorded in 1959. We'll listen to that in a couple minutes, but it's really part of a perfect pair, so we're going to do a two-song set that starts out with a 1957 recording by the Everly Brothers. Their song is about two teenagers on a date who fall asleep at a drive-in movie and suddenly realize they're way past their curfew. Two years later, Ricky Nelson recorded a song that had a similar theme called simply, 
it's late. First, the Everly Brothers and Wake Up Little Susie. Why can't it be wrong if we could have left home at a quarter to nine? Would have had fun and plenty of time. We got started just a little bit late. Hope this won't be our last day. Look up, look up. Is that the moon we see? Can't be. Looks like the sun to me. It's late. I hate to face your daddy. Too bad. I know he's gonna be mad. It's late. We gotta get on home. It's late. We've been gone too long It's late, it's late. We're about to run out of gas It's late, it's late. We gotta get home fast Can't speak, Can't speak. We're in a slowdown zone oh, Baby, look at that clock Why can't it be wrong If we could have left home At a quarter to nine Would have had fun and plenty of time. We got started just a little bit late. Hope this won't be our last day. Look up, is that the moon we see? Can't be. Looks like the sun to me. It's late. I hate to face your daddy too bad. I know he's gonna be mad. It's late. We gotta get on home. It's late. We've been gone too long. 
Ricky Nelson and It's Late, and that would not seem to be an exaggeration. They're looking up into the sky hoping to see the moon, and instead they see the sun. Well, Ricky Nelson's It's Late is a little silly, but still a very fun song. And before that we heard the Everly Brothers and Wake Up Little Susie. Well, I told you these recordings, Poor Little Fool, It's Late, and Teenager in Love, were my guilty pleasures because I thought maybe I should be embarrassed to like them as much as I do. Probably I didn't need to worry, because they were very popular with my teenage contemporaries back in the 50s. But I have to confess I also acquired a strong liking for the musical arrangements of Ray Conniff. Conniff's recordings were considered kind of schmaltzy by many people, but I thought the ways he used his orchestra and chorus were creative and pleasant, and I still like his music. In 1959, Ray Conniff released an album called Concert in Rhythm, in which he took some familiar themes from classical music and arranged them with a beat. He then blended the voices of his chorus to add to the sounds of the band instruments, and I think the result was very cool. Here's an example of what he did with a pretty familiar melody, the theme from the 19th century ballet Swan Lake by Tchaikovsky.
Ray Connick's orchestra and chorus with Swan Lake from his 1958 album Concert in Rhythm. Conniff was very prolific in the 1950s, and some of his albums highlight the Ray Conniff singers. Here's an example, a medley of two songs about dancing, Dancing in the Dark and Dancing on the Ceiling, from the album So Much in Love.
Dancing in the Dark and Dancing on the Ceiling by the Raycon of Singers. Well, that's it for the guilty pleasures section of this show, but don't go away because things are about to get more interesting. Still ahead, Mickey and Sylvia, Arthur Fiedler and the Boston Pops Orchestra, Slim Whitman, Sam Waldron as a make-believe 1940s radio announcer, and more. I'm your host, Sam Waldron. Today's show is full of interesting musical things that don't necessarily fit into a category. Now here's something that's pretty different. These days, a lot of typing seems to be done with just a pair of thumbs clicking away on a little glass screen. But back in the 40s and 50s, long before computer keyboards or the IBM Selectric typewriter, people did their typing on actual mechanical typewriters. And when you got to the end of a line, you had to grab the moving carriage and shove it back to the left to resume your typing. You can hear that in our next bit of musical strangeness, recorded by Arthur Fiedler and the Boston Pops Orchestra. This is meant to reflect the sounds of a frantic typist, and it's called The Typewriter. Boston Pops Orchestra, and the typewriter. Well, back when I was a kid, my siblings and I used to enjoy a Saturday morning radio program that included a featured story. When I think about it, maybe it was like the kids in 1949 version of Garrison Keillor's Stories from Lake Wobegon. These short stories were created and told by Uncle Lumpy, and they involved a farm boy named Little Orley. Or they got involved in a lot of improbable adventures and somehow always managed to get out safely. Uncle Lumpy read these adventures before a live audience on Fred Waring's show in the late 1940s. And for some reason, the six-minute adventure we're about to hear made a great impression on my sister and me, and we still sometimes try to imitate the voices of a couple of the characters. Fortunately, or not, as the case may be, the adventures of Little Orley originally issued on 78 RPM records, are still available on CDs. And while you listen to this, notice how Uncle Lumpy used sound effects to paint a vivid mental picture of the action. From about 1949, here's Uncle Lumpy and 
Little Orly's Adventures as a Worm. Well now, once upon a time, Little Orly was out of helping his paw cut cabbages to send to market. And Orly, he says, I wish I was a little green cabbage worm so as I wouldn't have to work. Do you really mean that? says a strange voice. I sure do, says Orly. Very well then, says the voice. Orly, be a cabbage worm. And all of a sudden he was. A little green cabbage worm with about 24 feet and legs is setting on a head of cabbage. Before he knew what was happening, someone cut the cabbage and threw it in a crate, and cabbage, crate, and Orly and all was on a train, headed for market. Well, sir, it chugged along for quite a spell, and finally it stopped by a big river, and some men unloaded the crates and put them on a big barge, and a little tugboat started pushing them across the river. Orly, he peeked out of the cabbage and saw they was headed for a lot of tall buildings, and he knew they was going to a big city. Finally, they docked. Orly's crate got put on a truck, and the first thing he knew, Orly and the cabbage was in the kitchen of a big, fancy restaurant, and the next thing he knew, they was in a big wooden bowl, and one of the cooks was a-chopping up the cabbage for coleslaw. Orly dodged and ducked the big knife, and he was scared, but in a minute, the slaw was all made, and he was safe, even if he was covered with cream and vinegar. He was just congratulating himself when someone scooped him up on a big plate full of slaw and carried him out to a table in the restaurant. He heard a band playing and some voices, so he kind of pushed the slaw away and peeked out. And he saw a pretty lady and a man a-sitting there. Oh, it was kind of lonesome, so he stood up on the slaw and he says in his little worm voice, Howdy, ma'am. Well, sir, the lady looked down, saw Orly waving six or seven legs at her, and she let out a scream. Oh, a worm! She dropped her fork, and it hit the plate. And it flipped Orly right up in her hat. He was scared. And he hid in a big seersucker geranimer, whilst the manager and the waiters and everybody come a-running. Of course, they couldn't find any worm, and the lady felt mighty silly, and to make her feel better, the man took her for a ride through the park in a handsome carriage. The old horse that pulled the carriage reminded Orly of the farm, and so did the green grass, and he stood up on the lady's hat and enjoyed himself. But all of a sudden, they went under a low-hanging branch, and it brushed Orly off. He lit on the pavement and started to crawling for the grass. Taxi cabs came a whizzing along. More handsome carriages, and Orly crawled and squirmed, and they just missed him. But he finally got on the grass and stopped to catch his breath. Well, sir, just then a little girl and her nurse came along. The little girl saw Orly and picked him up. <laughs> she says, I got a worm. Put that down, Gertrude, says her nurse. No, 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 I won't. I love him, I love him. He's sweet, he's sweet, says the little girl. Very well, very well, says the nurse. Keep him. Ooh, says the little girl. Isn't he squishy? Well, sir, they walked on with the little girl a-squeezing Orly till he could hardly breathe. But all of a sudden, her hat blew off. And she dropped Orly. He quick hid under a stone, and when she came back, she couldn't find him. <laughs> she says, I want my worm. 
Well, Orly, he felt awful sorry, and he almost crawled out to her, but the nurse says, Never mind, Gertrude. Your father will buy you a pedigreed worm. And the little girl ran on happy. Orly, he came out from under the stone and heaved a little worm sigh of relief. <sighs> but just then a big old pigeon saw him. And before Orly could duck, he'd picked him up and flew up in a tree with him. He put Orly down and started to sharpen in his beak. Orly started to run, but the tree was a slippery elm, and he skidded off the branch and started to fall. But he only went a little ways because he landed on something soft. It was a big red balloon on a string, and a little boy was holding it. But just as Orly lit, the string broke. And the balloon went up in the sky. It went up and up and up, and Orly held on with all his feet. It went clear over the tall buildings, and then the wind caught it. And it sailed over the river and over towns and mountains. And Orly, he was kind of enjoying himself. But all of a sudden, a big hawk saw it. He dove right at it. It busted in a thousand pieces, and Orly started to fall in. The things on the ground got bigger and bigger, and then all of a sudden Orly saw something familiar. It was his own house and barn, and in a second he landed. Right in the haystack, and it didn't hurt a bit. Well, says a voice, I see your back. Do you still want to be a cabbage worm? No, sir, says Orly. Very well, says the voice. Cabbage worm be an Orly. And he was, and he was mighty happy, and ever after that he always got the best marks in his class in geography because he'd traveled so much. But I still think it's easier to get good marks by studying books, don't you? And besides, it's a lot safer to be a bookworm than a cabbage worm. That's all. That was Uncle Lumpy and the Adventures of Little Orly. Some of the music on this show, well, the word strange seems to apply. So let's call up the rhythm and blues singing team of Mickey and Sylvia. He was a music teacher, and she was one of his students. In 1956, they recorded and released a hit song called Love is Strange.
Sylvia. Yes, Mickey. How you call your lover boy? Come here, lover boy. And if he doesn't answer? Oh, lover boy. And if he still doesn't answer? I simply say, Mickey and Sylvia and Love is Strange. You're listening to 45 RPM, music of the 40s and 50s. What you're about to hear is, well, it's not exactly a commercial, but it is kind of strange. When I was a kid, probably in about 1951, my cousins and I used to like to make up pretend radio commercials. I distinctly remember two of them, and I'm going to do my best to recreate one of these for you. I'm not sure all this is entirely original. We probably picked up some of it from somewhere. But still, I'm sure you've never heard it quite like this. Start by imagining it's 1951. You're listening to daytime radio, and you hear the following. Good morning, ladies. This is your announcer, Richard Hamilton, with news about a terrific new breakfast cereal that's sure to be a hit with your family. This new cereal is called Lost. Lost won't upset your peaceful morning by going snap, crackle, and pop. No, Lost is a quiet cereal that just lies there in the bowl. In fact, when you pour fresh milk into a bowl of Lost, it doesn't get crispy, it gets soggy. So there's no worry that little Johnny or Kathy might break a tooth, and that's always a reassuring feeling. This new cereal will be popular around your family's breakfast table. So ladies, next time you're at the grocery store... Get lost. Sam Waldron pretending to be Richard Hamilton from about 1951. You're listening to 45 RPM, music of the 40s and 50s. This program is about music, so let's get back to that. And since we've traveled back in time to 1951, I've always thought of Ella Fitzgerald as a terrific jazz singer who mostly does old standards and love songs. I never thought of her in connection with science fiction, so I was a bit startled when I came across her 1951 song, Two Little Men in a Flying Saucer. Here she is from her album, Miss Ella's Playhouse. Their purple hair 
this planet is an awful menace. Let's go back to where we came from. Two little men in a flying saucer just didn't care to stay. No, no. Said it's too peculiar here, headed for the stratosphere and quickly flew away. Field in Brooklyn when the Dodgers played a baseball game. Hey! Heard all the screaming, said we must be dreaming, cause the planet is insane. During their mission, heard a politician making speeches as they traveled by. Gabble, gabble, gabble. But they departed faster than they started, cause the hot air blew them sky Flew down to earth one day Listened to a radio Saw a television show And said, let's fly away They got their fill of commercial jingles And they were heard to say All the people seem to be Living in a nursery We'd better fly away Traveled all around and once they'd seen us Said let's head for space We were better off on Mars and Venus Goodness what a place to live in Two little men in a flying saucer Just didn't care to stay No, no Crossed a crowded thoroughfare Saw the hats the women wear And quickly flew and quickly flew away One look and then they flew away Two Little Men in a Flying Saucer by Ella Fitzgerald And while we're in the very early 50s, let's take a listen to The Thing Recorded by Phil Harris. While I was walking down the beach one bright and sunny day, I saw a great big wooden box floating in the bay. I pulled it in and opened it up, and much to my surprise, ooh, I discovered a... Right before my eyes, oh, I discovered it. Right before my eyes, I picked it up and ran to town as happy as a king. I took it to a guy I knew who'd buy most anything. But this is what he hollered at me as I walked in his shop. Oh, get out of here with that. Before I call a cop, oh, get out of here with that. Before I call a cop, I turned around and got right out of running for my life. And then I took it home with me to give it to my wife. But this is what she hollered at me as I walked in the door. Oh, get out of here with that. And don't come back no more. Oh, get out of here with that. And don't come back no more. (laughs) 
I wandered all around the town until I chanced to meet a hobo who was looking for a handout on the street. He said he'd take most any old thing. He was a desperate man. But when I showed him the... He turned around and ran. Oh, when I showed him the... He turned around and ran. I wandered on for many years, a victim of my fate, until one day I came upon St. Peter at the gate. And when I tried to take it inside, he told me where to go. Get out of here with that and take it down below. Oh, get out of here with that and take it down below. The moral of the story is if you're out on the beach and you should see a great big box and it's within your reach, don't ever stop and open it up. That's my advice to you. Cause you'll never get rid of them. No matter what you do. Oh, you'll never get rid of them. No matter what you do. From 1950, Phil Harris with his enigmatic song about the thing. We have time for three more songs. And the next one is not particularly strange. But don't let your guard down quite yet. Here's Slim Whitman and a popular Western-themed song called Ragtime Cowboy Joe. How he sings, ragged music to his cattle as he swings, back and forward on a saddle on a horse. That is syncopated gait and he is such a funny meter to the roar of his repeater How they run when they hear the fella's gun because the western folks all know He's a highfalutin' rootin' tootin' son of a gun from Arizona Ragtime cowboy, talk about your cowboy, ragtime cowboy Joe how he sings, sing. ragged music to his cattle as he swings, as he swings. back and forward on a saddle on a horse. Pretty good horse. That is syncopated gait, and he is such a funny meter to the roar of his repeater. How they run, how they run. when they hear the fellow's gun, because the western, western folks all know. He's a highfalutin, rootin', tootin', son of a gun from Arizona. Ragtime cowboy, talk about your cowboy, ragtime cowboy Joe. Music to his cattle as he swings, swing. back and forward on a saddle on a horn. That is syncopated gait, and he is such a funny meter to the roar of his repeater. How they run, how they run. when they hear the fellow's gun, because the western folks all know he's a highfalutin, rootin', tootin', son of a gun from Arizona. Ragtime cowboy, talk about your cowboy, ragtime cowboy Joe. Ragtime Cowboy, talk about your cowboy, Ragtime Cowboy Joe. That was Slim Whitman and a nice version of Ragtime Cowboy Joe. Now where it gets strange is the following recording, made in 1959, along with some sound effects by Alvin and the Chipmunks. to his cattle as he swings back and forth in his 
stop shooting that gun. Reach for the sky, you sidewinders! Alvin, will you put that gun down? Alvin and the Chipmunks and their rather unorthodox recording of Ragtime Cowboy Joe. And finally, there's one last song I'm throwing into this mix because it touches on all sorts of nostalgia from the 1940s and 50s. Here are the Statler Brothers and Do You Remember These? Saturday morning, serials, chapters 1 through 15. Fly paper, penny loafers, lucky strike green. Flat tops, sock tops, duty baker, Pepsi please. Ah, do you remember these? Cigar bands on your hand, your daddy's socks roll down. Sticks, no plugs, and aviator caps with flaps that button down. Movie stars on Dixie cup tops and knickers to your knees. Ah, do you remember these? The hip parade, grape truade, the Sadie Hawkins dance. Pedal pushers, ducktail hair, and begging your pants. Howdy doody, tooty fruity, the seam up the back of her hose. Ah, do you remember those? James Dean, he was keen, Sunday movies were taboo. The senior prom, Judy's mom, rock and roll was new. Cracker Jack Price, stars in your eyes, as daddy for the keys. Ah, oh, do you remember these? The boogeyman, lemonade standing, taking your tonsils out. Engine burn and wait your turn, and four foul balls you're out. Cigarette loads and secret codes and saving lucky stars in you. Remember back that far To boat neck shirts and fender skirts And crinoline petticoats Mom's word and a dirty bird And a double root beer float Moon hug caps and loud heel taps And he's a real gone cat Ah, oh, do you remember that? Dancing close, little Moron jokes And cooties in her hand Captain Midnight, Ovaltine, and the whip at the county fair. Charles Atlas, Course, Roy Rogers, horse, and only the shadow knows. Ah, oh, do you remember those? Gable's charm, frog in your arm, loud mufflers, bitchin' woo. Going steady, Veronica and Betty, white bucks and blue suede shoes. Knock, knock jokes, who's there? Dewey. Dewey who? 
remember these? Yes, we do. What do we do? We remember these. And with that song by the Statler Brothers, let's sign off for today. Next week on 45 RPM Music of the 40s and 50s, we'll have a much more conventional show. I'm your host, Sam Waldron. I hope you'll join me then.